What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This episode is a great one. It is with Roger Sapper. We got done recording a Whitetail Cribs with him, and we sat down and talked a little bit about his land story and also some hunting talk. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. It's a fun conversation with some good information that I hope you guys really enjoy. Roger's Whitetail Cribs episode will be going live on the Exodus YouTube channel later this year, and you're not going to want to miss this one. It is a good one. There's some awesome bucks, some great stories. And uh, we just want to say thanks to Roger for letting us come over and record this and record the Whitetail Cribs episode and keep an eye out for all the other ones. We ended up stopping on this trip with John Dudley and recorded a knock on Whitetail Cribs episode, which is going to be killer as well. So we have a lot of great episodes for you guys this fall. If you're brand new to the Land Podcast, I'm going to tell you a few things here. The goal is very simple. It's to help 100 people buy their first piece of ground. There's three ways to be included on this list of 100. Number one, if you are in the state of Illinois and need some assistance, I would be happy to help you if you're looking in an area that I'm familiar with. Number two, if you're looking for a parcel that is outside of my area, and if I know anyone that might be a good fit for an agent or a resource, I'm happy to make an introduction. And number three, if you just simply learn something from this that helps you move forward with confidence, I wanna know and I wanna add you to the list of 100. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let's go ahead and get right into it. If you do enjoy it, please leave a written review. It'd really help us out. And until next time, here we go. Roger, thanks for having us out here. You're more than welcome, buddy. Yeah, we- uh, we Glad to have you. Yeah, it's a really cool place back here. And uh, we just got to record in the Whitetail Cribs. What do you think? You survived. I did survive. I was sweating it for a while. <laughs> I knew you were going to do great. <laughs> Once you got going, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You have a, an incredible place here with some awesome deer. It's, uh, we, we've dialed back at the amount of white tail cribs we were doing. And so it always, it's just so fun to be around people that are so passionate about whitetails yeah. and just hear their stories because it is really, really cool. Yeah. I will say the good Lord really blessed me over the years. He's let me lot, take a lot of nice animals. Yeah. And so for people who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what do you do? Well, I'm, ori- I'm originally from um, like 50 miles south of St. Louis, Missouri, a little town out in the country, Hillsboro, Missouri. That's where I was born and raised at. And then I was a union laborer down there when I worked there for probably about 20 years. And when I got about 40 years old, no, let's see, younger now, but. 30, I bought 31 or so. I bought my first farm over in Pike County, Illinois. So, and so, so that, and we were talking earlier, that would have been 2001. Yeah. Which is before buying land for whitetail hunting was as popular as it is today. Correct. Did yes. people think you were crazy then? Oh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> but the wild part is I only paid like $1,300 an acre for it. Was in, at that time, were people like, you'd pay $1,300 for a hunting piece? Or was it, or was that just like, man, that seems like a pretty good deal? Well, it was a good deal because everything else was going for about $1,700 an acre. What the, what's, and this farm sat on the market for over a year and he didn't get any offers. I don't, I just figured the good Lord was saving it for me, I guess. <laughs> and so, what was the, you're in your 30s, obviously. I assume you're obviously passionate about hunting whitetails. Oh, yeah. And you yes. just wanted more opportunity? Yeah, because when I hunted all them years in northern Missouri, the biggest I could ever kill was a 140-inch deer out of me and my dad and brother. And, yeah, when I got to a certain age, I'm like, I just want to go somewhere where there's bigger deer. And, you know, everybody knew about Pike County, Illinois. And 
I remember asking my older brother, I said, hey, man, I said, let's go over to Pike County and we'll find a farm. And he kept telling me, oh, there's no way you're going to find a farm that just go by door knocking and somebody let you hunt there. And I asked him multiple times and he wouldn't ever go. And my dad told me, he's like, well, I'll go with you, Roger. And so he just rode along with me. And I remember we drove around over there about a half a day and then the, we seen this old guy out uh, out in his yard. And I'm like, he's got like a pretty good looking piece here. And we went up there and talked to him and uh, he ended up owning 320 acres. And he was the first guy <laughs> I ever asked. And he's like, sure, I'll let you hunt there. And I'm like, wow, that's, I mean, I was like so excited. And then I had to ask him, I'm like, by the way, you don't care if my brother comes along, do you? <laughs> he's like, no, I don't care. And, and then uh, I, we started hunting. Me and my brother hunted that farm for like four or five like four or five years and it butted up to the farm that i ended up buying on my first pike county farm and it butted up to it and you know i'd sit there all the time and i'd see all these big old bucks over on on the neighbors and every time i drove around this farm that i ended up buying i'd see all these big old bucks and and i remember i telling my dad i'm like oh dad i said well I said, you know, I'd tell him about it. And he's like, yeah, I'd drive over and ask the guy if, it, if he'd sell it. So I drove over one day and I, I asked him, and I'm like, hey, would you be interested in selling? He goes, well, actually, it's for sale. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And, yeah, he showed me the deer pictures and how much he wanted. And I remember that was before I even had a cell phone. And I flew to the to the to a pay phone there in Griggsville at the Casey's gas station. And I put a bunch of quarters in there. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, Dad, but this guy said he'll sell this farm. My dad's like, well, how much? And I told him everything, but my dad never ended up buying it. So a couple years, maybe one or two years went by, and I ended up uh, getting that farm. I ended up buying it myself, and and it was just like a dream farm, man. It was just like. When I first bought it, there was like all these big deer, you know, just all over it. And I, I ended up, that's where I ended up killing that one that scored 180. And that was the biggest one I had ever killed there. I'd seen one bigger, but back then I used to hunt out a the tree stand, you know, <laughs> them tree stands, they're not near as productive as those blinds. But I ended up keeping that farm and I ended up selling it in 2006 and I moved to Iowa. Mm -hmm. And that's like the best thing I've ever ever did right there really? Iowa. oh i was the bomb <laughs> it, it's yeah so you've uh you've hit you've hunted missouri illinois and then iowa and <clears throat> obviously it's very clear you're here today and as we were going through all your bucks the the farm majority were that were iowa yeah but as far as like the the pro purchase process for buying your first illinois farm was that because i think for i'm just trying to <clears throat> I was like in second grade, so I don't, you know, this is, this <laughs> oh, is, this is uh, you know, this is uh, outside of my memory. But at that point, it just buying hunting ground at the time felt a lot different than what it does today. I have to assume. Oh, yeah, it, did. it does big time. Yeah. Now you've got so many more people trying to compete and buy it. Now it's a lot harder to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back then you could just buy them all day long and. Uh -huh. But now it's just such a tighter thing, you know. It's just so much harder to There's do. There's a it. lot, a lot more competition. But yes, when you were buying that, were you looking at it as an investment, or was it purely like I have the budget and I just want to hunt big deer? 
I just, I wanted to hunt big deer and I, I thought I was really going to stay there and build a house and live on that first farm for uh-huh. the rest of my life. But I don't know, after I stayed there for a few years, the deer hunting went, just started going downhill a lot in my opinion, because just in Pike County alone ended up being like 120 outfitters. And that's so great. I mean, to me, it's a 140 inch County now. It's like, they just just totally just blast just ruined it in my personal opinion yeah well when you compare it to where you're at today but I yeah i think that's just a lot of pressure i mean yeah because if you or if there are 120 outfitters yeah I and mean, they're running 10 15 people multiply that and then figure out the success rate and then yes. it's like that's just a lot of bucks that are getting killed. yeah i mean you know each outfitter is probably running what 50 people through it i'm guessing i mean some of them i'm sure yeah I mean, that's a lot of people going through there. It just, I don't know, it seemed like it wiped them out, in my yeah. opinion, because the, the, you know, the big buck sightings, they just started going down and went down. Mm. But mm. what, so you, as you're selling that farm in Illinois, did you know you were going to Iowa the moment you oh, sold yeah. it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so what, what made you want to come to Iowa? I don't big, know. Did I, you drive around out here and you're like, oh, this is where I want to be? No, I guess just watching them old videos, <laughs> you know, of Mark Jury and Don Kiske and Steve Snow, all those guys. I mean, they were just, you know, just whacking these giants <laughs> every year. And I'm like, wow, I mean, that's just, that's got to, that's like where I need to be at. Yeah. It's like, that is so cool. And I just always like country living. I like seeing, you know, pheasants and quail and turkeys and, mm-hmm. I don't know, every time I'd come up here, just, you'd drive around and you'd see all these little wild animals just everywhere. It's like, man, that's just, that's the neatest thing ever. Yeah, I was out here in Iowa a couple of weeks ago, and we were on a farm, and, and you hear that. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard that in Illinois in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's like those little things you just kind of forget about. And it then you're is. here, and you're like, oh, that is really cool. Yeah. And so you sold the farm in Illinois. You knew you wanted to go to Iowa. Mm-hmm. How did you find the next farm? Was it? Uh, the next one, it was a realtor because I did a 1031 exchange and they mm-hmm. only give you 45 days to find one. And and we we kept looking for one and we never could really find one. Find one. Then uh, one come up for sale on um, Appanoose County over there. And I, I just never did care for Appanoose County. Just I don't like the topography over there and it just. I don't know. I just what's it? I've been I've been through that county a little bit. How what, what what are the differences as far as like the terrain? Is it yeah? It's just more mellow or just more flatter and not less less aggressive than here. Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and then when like when you get like up into Warren County, it's like in Madison County, it's really big old steep hills and it's beautiful up that way. Mm-hmm. So you bought the Appanoose Farm and then what was uh, what was that like? Because you, you go from Illinois, and then you go to the promised land, and then a, you know, Well, a I always wanted to end up in Decatur County, and, and, I mean, that's where we looked. And I made a few offers on some farms in Decatur. I remember the one farm, uh, it was like 640 acres, and the guy wanted, <clears throat> he wanted a million and a half for 640 acres. I'm like, golly. I mean, thinking today, it's like, yeah. that was dumb. I should have made that work, but... I couldn't make it work, and I went up to, I don't know, I went up to so high, and and he he denied like three of my offers, and finally he told the realtor, he's like, I don't think that guy of yours has enough money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, well, if you don't come down, then (laughs) Then I don't have enough. (laughs) 
And so I didn't end up buying it. So then he ended up raising the price up to like a million seven hundred and fifty thousand. Sold it like that. Really? Yeah. Once he listed it, I'm uh-huh. like, man. Now I look back on, it, I'm like, man, I should have did that. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's easy to as time goes on to look back and you're like, well, yeah, it would have all worked out. But like at that yeah. point when you're trying to make that decision, there's always uncertainties. Yes, because I mean, I had just gotten here and it didn't. It had a bunch of CRP, but the CRP was pretty rough on it. It needed a lot of, it was all grown up, you mm-hmm. know, in cedars and stuff. I mean, I was just kind of scared, like, man, I don't know, what if it doesn't work? And mm-hmm. I should have made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And then how long did you own that place? The one in Appanoose? Yeah. Probably for two years. I tried selling that thing, like, as soon as I bought it, I, I just didn't like it. It's set right on Highway 2, and it's a very busy highway, and you couldn't even hear turkeys gobble from the from your porch. It was uh-huh. the no, the road noise was so loud. I, I didn't like it. It was a big farm though. It had a lot of income on it, CRP income. But uh, I just how uh, long did it take to sell it? It took like two years to finally get it done. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I had an auction on it, and somebody bought a hundred hundred acres of the good tillable. I remember. So that left me. It was a six hundred and seventy one acre total farm. I sold a hundred and left. Seemed like it was well, whatever the balance is, and then I went to another land auction to buy a piece one day, and the guy there that was bidding, uh, he come up to me afterwards, and he's like, "You know of anything for sale?" And I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I got this piece here in Appanoose." And he come down and looked at it, him and his brother-in-law. It was for his brother-in-law, and they ended up buying it. And, really? Yeah, that's pretty random too. I feel like that era of real estate is so much more random. Yes. Than, than today with that, all the information that's available. The story of the Illinois farm, when you, you ask him if you go f- sell it, <laughs> it's already listed, you know, like, yes. are you selling it? You just yeah. didn't know. I didn't have no idea. Yeah. 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 It's weird how today, I mean, he was just trying to sell it, you know, by himself, you know. Uh, okay, for sale by owner. Yeah, for sale by owner. But, I mean, he was putting up little flyers around, you know, yeah. in there around Pittsfield and Griggsville and yep. around them little towns and. I think he even built a little website thing for really? it. Yeah, he did. But he was trying. Yeah, he was trying. And he said, Oh, I should I had a couple people go look at it. I'm thinking, man, why wouldn't they buy this thing? This is like a gold mine. I mean, that's what I thought. It was yeah. just loaded with wildlife, you know, big deer and you know, coming from Missouri, I thought, Oh my gosh, uh-huh. yeah, I'll live here forever. And then <laughs> lo and behold, I come to Iowa and found something even better than the yeah. And then the Illinois. So when you bought your Illinois farm, did you live in Illinois or did you just drive back and forth? I just drove back and forth. Drove yeah. I only lived like a hour and 20 minutes from it. So, oh, that wasn't, yeah. It's not yeah. Bad. I mean, I could go over just for an evening hunt and yeah. still come back home. But yeah, it was, it was a fun, it was a cool farm. Yeah. It's always the first farm. I feel everyone, all yeah. the people we've talked to, it's like always the first farm they fall in the most love with. Yeah. Then, I thought I would never sell that thing. It's weird as that was my favorite farm all the way until the, at Leon Farm, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Now your Appa News Farm, <clears throat> you sold that. You wanted to sell right after you bought it. Did you end up making some money on that? Or was that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I made good money on it, but yeah. it just took me a while. Yeah, took time. Okay, so then from there, you you ended up getting closer over to this way that, yep. that other farm, that the one where you shot five hundred. Uh, no, you know, let's see. You know what? When I sold, I remember when I sold um, the Appa News. I think I found one. Up in uh, Monroe County, up by by Albia area, actually, I think it was a 
I don't remember what it was, a 305 or something. I went to there first, and that just ended up being so far from Albia or Sheraton. I think it sat in between, a, and it was like over a half hour, you know, just to go to the town. I'm like, I mean, you know, when you, know, you want gas or you want to go out to eat or something, I don't know, that just seemed like it'd take forever. And Yeah. I ended up selling that one. Then I moved to Decatur. I mean, that's where I always wanted to be at was Decatur. So it took a few farms to get there. Yeah. It kept working. Yeah. <laughs> working that way. Yeah. Every time I'd sell one and have the money in hand, then I couldn't find nothing in Decatur. So I'd have to settle for something different. Something different. Yeah. But yeah. I, fi- I finally got there. What What advice do you give to someone that maybe they're in a state or an area where they they just desire a higher quality of whitetail? to chase so let's say they're from whatever state what advice do you have them to making the plunge to end up buying a farm because i mean i have to imagine as a you mean your, in their state no or, just in or, general like the, the 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 mental process because i mean that's a, it's a big decision to buy a farm it, well i guess maybe not yeah, i don't know <laughs> you, you tell me i guess i'm asking for your advice i have always been the one just to jump in with both feet and try it i mean uh-huh. if, it, if it works it, good if it don't work i mean i don't know i've heard donald trump say that before that a good businessman he has to take a risk i mean sure and he said and you are going to fail sometimes but you know hopefully you make it a lot more than what you fail but and so that that process that thought process you think is a a good one to have for someone that's maybe saved up a little bit of money. Uh, it, they yeah, try. it is. I mean, you got to have, I don't know, you just got to have that drive to do it. I mean, there's just a lot of people that talk about doing it, but they're, I guess they're just too scared to do it. Yeah. I mean, my dad was always like, he talked for, for 20, 30 years about buying stuff down in Northern Missouri back whenever you could get it for 150 to $200 an acre. Yeah. And today he's still like, boy, I sure wish I'd have bought that 200 acre farm out there for, you know, that would have been dirt cheap back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about, do you, like, it's easy to look back in, in, in time and say, well, it was dirt cheap then. And then even when you bought your Pike County piece, you felt that was dirt cheap. Yeah. Are we going to look back even today and say it's dirt cheap in 15, 20 years, 30 years? That I cannot tell you. <laughs> I wish I knew that. Because <laughs> right. if, if it's the case, then yeah, I'd buy more. But uh-huh. now it's gotten up so high, you're taking a, more of a risk now. It's a, it's a little more scary now. Bigger numbers. Yeah, bigger, bigger number. numbers. Yeah, because yeah. if you fail now, it's gonna it'll wipe you out. Yeah. You know, back in the day when you were buying them for $2,000 an acre, I mean, you could turn right around and sell them for three the next day. Yeah. That's crazy. It was. It's just unreal. But now it's like, now it's way up there in the close to like in the round six. And yeah, that's a bigger risk. Yeah. A lot more money. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you have any other advice for, for someone that's thinking about buying a farm or, cause you, I mean, you've, you've bought and sold a handful of farms here over the years. Was there any thing that you liked the most out of all of them? Like a, a common thing? That was like, a, when I look for a farm, it's got to have this. I I always liked a, a 50-50 farm, kind of, you know. I mean, those are super hard to find, you sure. know, 58 or, you know, uh, half timber, half tillable. Those mm-hmm. are really hard, but I don't know. I always liked that kind of farm. Seems like you could always resell them better than an all timber farm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. <clears throat> do you, so, and do you just like the half, the half and half because... Yeah, obviously you get some income, a little easier to sell. Those are the bigger things there. And the yeah. food for, for yes. Yeah. 
I like the income, you know, it helps pay the taxes. I really like the farm and I keep telling myself one of these days I'm going to sell and just buy a, an all tillable, like a big tillable yeah. farm where, you know, I could retire and just live off of yeah. the, cause I like to farm myself, you know, and, but I have never done that. I just, I like hunting big deer <laughs> so much. It's like, man, dude, I'd love to do that where I could retire and just live off of my farm. But I don't know. I like to hunt deer. So I just keep buying them hunting farms. <laughs> So you would rather work and hunt deer than I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to show it. That's funny. Any other? Um, does any other advice or anyone for someone that's looking to buy a piece of ground or anything probably, else that comes to mind? I don't know. I'd probably start out small. I mean, maybe like forties if you could afford it. Forties uh-huh. are like really easy to resell. Forties mm-hmm. or eighties, you know. Yep, those usually sell pretty good. So forty or eighty, dip your toe in the water, figure it out. If it, if it's for you. Yeah. And I would definitely try to buy it in a, you know, a well-known county or a deer hunting area. You know, I just wouldn't go somewhere way off where nobody deer hunts and buy, you know, I, I would stick to your better areas. Yeah. That's, it is kind of interesting going from, from Pike County, which is, you you talk to anyone that has ever heard of deer hunting. They know Pike County. They only. do. Yeah. I mean, it's just synonymous with yeah. deer hunting. And I think, uh, Maybe maybe it's rose colored glasses, maybe not. But regardless, yeah. everyone does know it. And to your point, yes. there's probably a higher percent of people that are looking there naturally because mm-hmm. they've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the everybody has heard of Pike County, Illinois. Yeah. It's weird. It is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And so we were talking earlier too. So um a lot of these deer here have a common theme. Cameron and I were talking outside when we we're getting all the podcast gear. A lot of those were killed in a tree stand, right? absolutely <laughs> absolutely not i wouldn't hunt out of a tree stand anymore if you paid me <laughs> and you used to be a tree stand guy right i used to be and what happened it wasn't very productive it, i know i know people are going to argue about this but a uh red i personally use a redneck i've tried all the other a lot of the other blinds and they smell you out of them but if you sit in a redneck and leave the windows shut on them it's deadly. You'll kill the biggest deer on your farm every year. That you got to have that in a food plot now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you hunt out of a tree stand, or, yeah, they're definitely more fun, and you can see better, you can hear better. But I don't know, the, your, the wind always does something swirly, and and I mean, you'll sit out there forever and not get the deer, you know, in close enough. I mean, you might see him way out, but I'm a very competitive person, and I like to. I don't want the deer to beat me, so when I find the biggest deer, I I like to go in there and kill him that year when I when he's you know a six Prime for the and a half. Yeah. Yes. And so okay, so a, a blind and a food plot, you're going to kill the biggest deer on the farm. So let's give Guarantee you, you let's give you a scenario here. <laughs> we'll we'll use the we'll use the forty acre fifty fifty farm. Okay. Okay. So that that's your ideal <laughs> farm. It's a forty. It's fifty percent tillable, fifty percent timber. Well, my idea would be bigger than 40 acres. So. <laughs> so what what would be the optimal size then? Oh, I don't know. I mean, if I probably, I don't know. It all depends on what neighborhood you're in too. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. you could you could have the right 40 in the right neighborhood, dude. Sure. And yeah, you hunt out of the redneck or the food plot. What, what do you put in your food plot? I like, I like beans probably. Uh-huh. And so when you say food plot, how if you're planting beans, how big does that usually need to be? Oh, I like them. 
I don't know. It just all depends on what a person can afford, really. Uh-huh. I like them bigger just because whenever bucks, you know, old bucks come out there, they don't want, they want a little elbow room. Just what I've observed. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get them too close, they just don't seem to like that as good. But uh-huh. I don't know. Just my opinion. Two there. to five? Two to five acres? Oh, uh, yeah. If you can make them that big. Okay. Well, is there a minimum size? Mm-hmm. Is that with browse pressure and everything? Yeah, well, that all depends on your deer, deer herd. Yeah, no, it always depends. <laughs> I mean, I like bigger. I like bigger. Just I don't. know. I just like to feed all my animals all winter. But uh-huh. I know a lot of people. I mean, if you can't afford a bigger one, because sure you don't combine them, so they just kind of. I mean, it costs a lot of money to do them things. It does. <laughs> I I left ten acres at my house last year, and I was running the numbers on it. That was a very expensive yes, project. Exactly, and I didn't find a darn shed antler out of it. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> that, that hurt really. I was like, well, at least I'll find some antlers. Did you kill a deer out of it? Nope. Oh, wow. Yes. So uh, we put that in the CRP this year. So, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, it sounds like you're doing it right. Did you have a big enough? I mean, did you have one that you wanted to kill? No, not on uh, Oh. Yeah. So that okay. was, I mean, late season. I mean, even this last January was pretty mild. There was one cold snap, but we didn't really get the real cold, nasty weather. Yeah, exactly. Once once February hit, I mean, there was a lot of different bucks in there, but this wasn't a um, a deer I wanted to kill. Now, what about a redneck blind on a smaller plot, like a timber plot that's a quarter acre, half acre? Do you do you just feel like the deer don't? They're not bothered by the redneck. No, not one, not one bit, not a bit. Dude. We can, I can wait till. So let's just say I start hunting October 10th, a cold front. I can hook onto my redneck, pull it down there, bring my ranger back, get my stuff, walk back down there and climb up in it. And the deer in the field will just be the same fullness of deer. Why do you think it's, they just kind of view it as like farm equipment? I don't know what they, I don't know. They don't see it as a threat? They don't see it as a threat at all. Uh It's weird. I don't, I don't know. I never could. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know, but they just. Come right out there, and they'll come right up there all around. What's weird is they like to come all around. It's almost like they feel safe or something. They like to eat around that thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. I never could figure it out, but it works. Interesting. Well, that's it, yeah. It's just uh, I feel like as as a lot of archery hunters, there there's a couple of things that people are just ingrained in thinking they have to do. Hunt from hunt, hunt from elevation, like out of a tree stand, is one of the most common ones. And then now people are adopting saddle hunting a lot. And, and then here you are saying like the old trusty, uh, blind is yeah. the trick. I mean, it's not as fun to hunt out of the blind, but uh-huh. it's, but it's the most productive Yeah, for me. Is there any tips when you're setting up a blind? Cause someone, someone listening right now be, might be thinking, well, you know, I do have a redneck and, and, uh, I mean, cause if we're watching the, the hunt with the big drop time buck. You guys hunted that a, a bunch. Yeah, we hunted him uh, seven nights, and we saw him six out of the seven nights. Was your axis just bulletproof in and out? You just the axis? No. So it wasn't. No, I don't have no. I know. Uh, -uh, my axis is never bulletproof. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, especially when I get down every night, it clears the whole field. But they, every one of them, they all come right back the next night. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I encourage anyone to go watch that on YouTube. It's a really, really yeah. crazy, cool story. And the wild part is when I go to the blind in the morning, I have a really, really, really bright headlamp on. 
And when I wear that headlamp, I can walk down here and there'll be, you know, 25 deer out in the field. I can walk right past the deer, climb up in my blind, pull the curtain down, look out there, and then the deer will all be out there. So the light doesn't bother me. It does not bother them. The wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. That is crazy. I remember I went to Kansas to video with a guy. Won't say who it was, but I went out there and he had these bright headlamps. And he's like, here, put this on. I'm like, I'm not wearing that thing. They were going to scare all your deer. He goes, oh, no. He said, you'll walk right in there, right past them and climb right up in the blind. I'm thinking, dude, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And sure enough, I mean, we kept doing it all week. We'd walk right past these deer and get up in there and the the field would be full of deer. And I mean. You could sit there as you're climbing up the ladder and look, and the deer would still be out there just eating. There's a really bright white light. Yes. I think that's the, is the ticket. Is it has to be super bright. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would have never guessed that in a million years. I mean, I've got so much video on my phone. It's just it's like whenever I go to climb down at night. Uh-huh. I had a big six-year-old down there one night, and I kept looking out the back window. I wasn't going to shoot him because he didn't. I, I just. I like something, you know, over 170, which he might have scored close to 170. He had big old mass to him, but I don't know. It was too early in the season there, and I, it was early in October, you know, and I'm like, I kept looking out there at him, and finally it got pitch dark, and I'm like, he's like slowly feeding towards me, and I took that, I put that headlamp on there, and I, I, I could show it to you on my phone. I even opened up the back door and stood out on the platform and hit that light on him. He walked right up underneath me and was sitting there feeding within what? within five feet of my blind. That's crazy. And then he went on out into the to the cornfield, and I finally got down. And he let me. I climbed all the way down, and then I walked backwards back till I was out of sight with that light shining in his direction. And he never even bothered that thing. Do you uh, do you know what brand headlamp you have? I don't. Um, I'm sure people would want. I I'm do not. I do not remember what it's called. Uh, I got it from a friend of mine. He come over, brought a brought a youth hunter over one night, and we never got a deer that night. But I remember that night he gave me that that headlamp. Uh huh. And it is a rechargeable one too. That was pretty cool. Yeah. All things just as bright as like a coon hunting light, you know. Uh huh. Brighter than my old coon hunting lights, actually. <laughs> that's wild. And yeah, because that's you know everyone. <clears throat> Like everyone preaches access and everything else, but it just goes to show. Do you think the reason you got away with that is just because you have the best food here? I don't know why I get away with it. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't I don't go to all that extra work building all that tall grass screen and stuff. You don't? No, I do not. I just walk right down the hill. And okay. I, I try to beat the first deer in the field. Uh-huh. When my wife goes, that's a little bit harder because she's like, do we have to go down there yet? And I'm like... Well, I don't know. It's like 3.30. I said, by 3.40, they're going to usually start coming out. And I usually always try to beat the first one in the evening out. But uh-huh. then when I climb down, I just turn that headlamp on and just climb down. And if some of them scared, some of them will run. And But like I say, the next day, they're all back out again. Yeah. And maybe that's because they're low-pressure deer or something. Sure. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It is, yeah, it is pretty crazy. That's neat, though. Yeah. And so, what, uh, another cool thing with that buck, too, is you didn't have pictures of him until shotgun season here, right? Correct, yes. And I didn't even know I had the pictures of him then until 
after I shot the deer, then I went and pulled the camera card and he, he showed up, I think on November the 29th, mm-hmm. November 29th, which that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's, cause it's, you were, I was, this is a nice size farm in terms of acreage. And I asked how many cameras you use and you said around seven. Yeah. Like seven. Oh, and wow. then, uh, and I asked, well, why is that? And you, and so you, you prefer observation sits. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm, I don't know. I just seem like I have better luck doing it that way. But on this deer, it, it didn't work that way because I had never seen that deer. Sure. And I was just, and I didn't even buy a shotgun tag. And I'm like, well, I'm not even going to. Because you didn't have anything. I to didn't have nothing to hunt. Yeah. But little did I know on November 29th, he showed up on that camera. So if I went and went and looked at that camera, like most people do. Yeah. And I'd have saw him, then I would have went and got the shotgun tag because the first night I was down there, it was second shotgun season, and I didn't even have a tag or gun. I was just down there watching, and he walked out, and he come 40 yards up, and I videoed him with my cell phone. So, yeah, if I'd have been paying more attention to my cameras, yeah, then, yeah, it would have been over then yeah <laughs> that the first time well it made a better better uh it made a better yeah. story yeah. yeah which is pretty crazy I, like i said any, some people need to go watch that yeah and what i found interesting watching that it was like he seemed like he was bedded in such a tight spot he was every single day every single day his yes. pop-up yes yeah and do you see that happen a lot over the years no you? i don't let's say it felt kind of rare <clears throat> it was very rare and i don't i don't know why he was doing that yeah he just was out there in that old tall grass weird yeah i can't answer that i mean he did have a little bit of a of a front a limp he had something there like behind his front shoulder a hole poked in there i don't know if i know he was limping when he come in so i don't know if that's the reason why he was staying so close to the food because he had food and water you know right there so i don't know if it wasn't that then i don't know why he was doing it because that's very unusual yeah, on like a two hundred inch deer, yeah, is yeah, there yeah. all the time. Yeah, and yeah that's even more unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even have any of the deer. Usually, don't ever bed where this thing did. He was just right off the food plot there in that tall grass, and we've seen him six of the seven nights there. That's crazy. But he was always too far away, and then I end up borrowing my buddy's smokeless. And yeah, because that watching that it was he wasn't really any closer than some of the other nights, right? No, he was always stayed at that same distance out there. He was about 250 to 325. He'd uh-huh. always stay out there. And he usually would just get up and, like, stretch around and maybe take a few steps, and then he'd bed back down. So I, I guess he was coming out after dark, I guess. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense. But he was clearly bedded pretty yeah. dang close there. I mean, me and my buddy Mark, Mark Jury, you know, we talked about – Moving the blind closer, and I'm like, Phew. I said, "What do you think?" And he goes, "Well, I don't know." He said, "You're taking a big risk. I mean, you know, going down there with your tractor or whatever, and pulling it closer to where he always is. I mean, well, I don't know what happens if he would have got scared and ran off and wouldn't come back, but worked out. It worked out. Yeah, I just got a longer range. What and, if you didn't? What if you couldn't have borrowed that fire? Would you end up moving it? I think I would have. Then. Yeah, yeah, I think I would have because I was getting. You know, to the points like seeing him every single day, I'm like, got to make something happen. Yeah, it's like I don't have nothing to lose, so yeah, I might as well do it. Yeah, what have you learned anything specifically from Mark over the years of just being friends with him and hunting with him, like for for whitetails? 
Oh, yeah. He's taught me a lot of stuff. Which one of your favorite lessons? Oh, I don't know. I probably don't tell. <laughs> uh, I don't know what. I don't know. I mean, just that example of he might have been the one. He might have been the one that gave me the idea of, of hunting out of a blind, probably over a food plot. Really, really, yeah. Because I used to be like the macho guys. Like I wouldn't sit in one of them stupid things. I got to hunt out here like the man does, you know, yeah. out of a tree stand. But that was just so unproductive, and he was doing it out of them blinds. And uh-huh. man, I mean, he was just one after another. And I'm like, hmm, I might try that. How many blinds do you have on this place? Uh, I got, I have a, oh, let's see, I, I usually, I just hunt out of three. Okay. So you just move three around throughout the year? Yeah. Well, I got, I got a couple food plots and I sit them and then during the rut, uh, I'll, I'll just sit one like in a ruddy area that mm-hmm. I see them all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so when's the last time you hunt out of a tree stand? Oh, probably... Man, that might have been back in. Uh, I think I killed that that two o two up there. I killed him out of a ladder stand. That might have been about the last time that I did it. That would have been back around. I don't remember if I killed him in two thousand twelve or thirteen. I think. It's been over well, 10 let's years. see. No, you know, I, I'm trying to remember when I bought all them rednecks. Me and my buddy of mine, we went and bought two trailer loads. To get, from Redneck, we went down to Redneck, and they gave mm-hmm. us a good deal because I guess we bought so many. And <laughs> that, that worked out good for us. Two truckloads. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember. That would must have been around 2014 or something, maybe. Right after I killed that deer, then I started shooting or going to them blinds. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's just uh I'm a, I just like tree hunt. I like hunting uh, out of the I tree do too. Yeah, I do too. I do but too. But your success is, you know, the the conviction and how you feel so strongly in that makes oh, 100, me 100% yeah, dude. Makes me second guess my thoughts here. Yeah. If you get your biggest deer on your farm, yeah, you know, I don't know how big your farm is, but yeah, we could kill him guaranteed. You can kill him year after year out of the you know, yep. out of them yep. rednecks on a I use a wagon cuz they're mobile. Yeah. And here in Iowa, they you you can mow your corn down. Yep, you can do that in Illinois as well. You can, yeah. so that works out good with the wagon. You know, you just keep moving your blind for yeah. for bow hunting. Yeah, I mean muzzleloader, it doesn't matter. You can shoot them things all the way across the field. <laughs> as far as uh, you know, talking about setting up, you know, the one this the makeup made up situation, the forty acres, the one blind with the one food plot. Is there any tips to getting those bucks in bow range? Because you're you're kind of stationary there, and let's say that that blind or that food plot's usually you know deeper than what most people's archery effectiveness range is. Do you are you a scrape tree guy? Or are you? You know, I've never guy? I've never used one of them, but I should because I mean they work. I, I don't. I think I'm just getting older now, and I don't have that drive to uh-huh. do all that stuff. Extra stuff. Yes. Well, this goes to show once you boil it down. You could still have success without doing all those extra things. Yeah. I usually put my tree stand, uh, like the one food plot, you know, it, it was full of a bunch of trees. I remember I, I had a dozer come out and I cleared it all out, but I left, uh, like, let's see, one, two, like four, uh, hedge trees. I, you know, I marked them. Mm-hmm. I said, don't, I said, leave them. And that's where I put my blind. So I got real trees, you know? Yeah. 
I, that I left hedge trees that, that they just wear the scrapes out underneath them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that, I mean, yeah, I would probably, in my other one, my other food plot, I got a, it's a big old black oak and they just like every buck comes to the field always goes to that one tree. So if it wasn't for them, yeah, I, I would, I would like <laughs> to try them scrape trees. Those yeah. are pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. Out of the bucks you shot out of a blind that are in here, how, how many or what's the breakdown of them being downwind? Oh, man. Um, let's see. What what do you want to know exactly now? So, like, uh, out of this, the majority of these were shot out of a, a redneck. Yeah. How many of them would you hypothetically would have got busted by your scent if you were hunting a tree stand? Oh, gosh. 100% of them? 90% of them? Boy, there'd be a, a lot of them, yeah. A big, <laughs> a big percentage of them. Yeah. Now, out of that redneck, I don't, I don't care. I don't care which way the wind's blowing. It can be blowing, and a lot of these, it does. It blows straight to them. That's the only bad part is you got to sit there with the windows closed. <laughs> like in the earlier season, it, it gets hot. It gets hot, yeah. yeah. And, and we were, when we were out in your garage, you were talking about the picked up that you weren't a big fan of the rut, and you prefer, you tell me, when do you, what, what is your favorite time of year to hunt? Oh, definitely the, like the middle of October, like. Anytime there's a cold front in that October, uh-huh. you know, anywhere from the 10th through the 25th in there, you know, that, yeah, I kill a lot of good deer like that. What's your typical setup on those, those dates? Like meaning over a certain food source? Just any old food. Yeah. I think any food probably would work. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a bean person, but there's a lot of people argue with me and say corn's better, but uh-huh. I don't know. I See that I always seem like there's more deer numbers in the beans versus the corn. What was the the two hundred coming into corn? These guys are make a fibber out of me. Yeah, I'm just you. kidding. I I'm a corn guy, so yeah. and the only reason was that story where I planted a bunch of beans last year and they didn't it didn't pan out how I wanted. Oh, so you are a corn guy or a bean guy? I'm more towards corn now. Are you? Well, yeah. I mean, I planted yeah. ten acres of beans, and you you think. uh it just wasn't, this didn't pan out how I pictured. You know, that might hmm. be just because the area. But, might be. But. Oh, there'll be, uh, there'll be way more people pick the corn versus the beans. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. It just seems like I see more deer you, when I have beans. What about like that late October when they're starting to dry out and they're turning yellow? Do you still see them hammering them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because they're usually as greener bean leaves down below, so you'll you'll see them. Their whole head will go down in there, and uh-huh. but then yeah, but and I always like to have some kind of a green plot, like a little what they sure. they call it a kill plot, and yeah. that that's something that I learned from Mark Jury big time, and that works good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have your just within bow range, you know, you have your something clover green, yeah. or turnips, radishes, whatever yep. is your favorite. Yep, and then. In October, are you a? Do you prefer evening sits on those cold front days, or is it? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Almost every one of my deer I've killed has always been in the evening. Evening on a food source on a cold front, typically. Yeah, but I I used to hunt every day when I used to flip them farms. I, I would I didn't even that was my job, so I I got to hunt every single day. <laughs> so. So you would just be out there all the time. Oh yeah, I mean it didn't matter if it was eighty or if it was a cold front or what. I I wasn't gonna miss because uh-huh. I mean you just you never know when the deer is gonna get up and come to the and eat. I mean yeah, 
it don't always come just come on a cold front, you know. Shit, yeah, that's. I mean, he's got to eat every day, so uh-huh. he's either gonna come before dark or he'll come a little bit after dark. But yeah, you don't know that. Do you believe in the moon? Or are you a moon guy? I don't know if I am. Or, I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about it to. I'd say the deer. I don't know. I mean, it's just listening to people. I kind of like try it out, and it seems like it might work. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I don't, I'm in the same boat. I don't have a. I don't have a fiery opinion about it. No, I, I don't know. I mean, that 185. I remember killing it because my buddy, uh, Glenn Salo, he shot a big one the same night, and we shot them both within minutes apart. And I remember he brought it over, and we got a picture of both of our deer together. That's when I shot the. No, that's when I shot the tomahawk, the 203. And he shot a big uh, booner that night, and we got him in the same picture. But I remember uh, he asked that, what's that moon guy's name? That, Adam uh, Hayes? Yeah, 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 yeah. He asked that Adam that night, and yeah, it, they, we both killed him within minutes apart, and it was both in the time of the, of the Red Moon said that they were supposed to do. But that's the only history I know about it. So two booners in a few minutes yes i mean, <laughs> I mean that is pretty crazy yeah, yeah. It, it seemed to work that time but no i've never followed it on uh i get what they do it on an app now i think so yeah yeah i would like to do it just because yeah. i love studying deer i mean I, yeah i like to learn everything i can about them it's just i just like white tailed deer I, just, <laughs> I get it yeah it's fun to study them and watch them and see all their different habits and yeah is there any tips you have for for hunters that are trying to figure stuff out other than the than the blind because if, if you can't figure deer out dude i i've never i mean you you're not gonna predict what a deer is gonna do i mean i can't do it sure and so so what is what someone's I mean, supposed to do then put in your time uh-huh. i mean you do i mean you know he's gonna come to food to eat he has to eat i mean you, you can predict him eating like yeah but you can't say oh yeah I got him. He's going to come at 645, you know, tonight. I mean, I don't know how you'd do that, but I'd say just put your time in the seat. Yeah. Just have you a food plot. I mean, that's the most productive anymore, but Uh I know a lot of people, they don't like doing it that way. They like to get way back in their timber and sit in a, in a tree stand, but (laughs) that's, that was never productive for me. I, I could never figure that method out yeah well it was funny you were talking about that you used to be you would wear a particular clothing for scent oh yeah you were die hard about it die i was the most die hardest i mean i was like miserable even to be around dude i was like a butthead <laughs> like don't don't spray don't, oh, put, yeah, don't yeah, wear regular oh yeah don't. oh yeah don't touch i mean yes i was like a freak about scent and that that didn't help yeah. no no i wore two two of them scent suits and I'd wash down and go out there and have deer dig it downwind and blow on you. And I'm like, I tried everything that come down the pipe. I, to me, you're just not going to beat the nose that God put on a white-tailed animal. You just, yeah. No man's going to beat that. But I mean, now if you sit in the redneck, blind in my opinion, but you got to keep the windows shut. Uh-huh. It's just because the wind is sealed so good. That That's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, a, <laughs> what about... Would you so when you were doing that, were you not even really like I'm just gonna call it playing the wind? Were you just going because you felt like you could be sent free? 
at that point. So you're just, you go where you think you need to go. You mean back in the day? Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I thought that that all that sin stuff was going to be the ticket, you know, yeah. to protect me, but it wouldn't, it didn't work. So then I started hunting the wind more, you know, then I would start hunting edges and fringes of something. I would never go back in the timber and I got more successful that way, but still nothing like the, nothing like the blinds. Yeah. And so you're, from the sounds of it too, is you've learned over the years to be more of a, the edge guy or the fringe, like hunting the fringes. Yes. Oh yeah. Definitely. Do you think some people get too aggressive? In- oh, I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I mean. Well, sure. And that's, I mean, that, uh, you're entitled to it. And I think it's, it's always fun to get different. There's so many ways to to kill a big buck. There's people yes. that have po- total polar opposite strategies, and you know th- they both find success, and and that might be different to both of them. But see, my yeah, my, my dad he taught me to go. Oh yeah, you got to go as deep in there as you can possibly go. You know, into the deepest, darkest timber, and yeah. But that that was non-productive. <laughs> it's weird because I started watching all them videos back in the days and they had videos and I'd start, you know, I'd listen to them guys. And I remember the person that I picked that up with was, was from Steve Snow. I remember that dude, that dude would kill some giants, man. I mean, repeatedly year after year, he'd just whack them big old giants up here in Iowa. And I remember listening to him. That's what he'd tell me. That's what he'd say on there. You know, you, that you got to hunt them fringes and get on the edges like that. Let the deer come to you, and and that work works. You always want to stay back and let the deer come to you. You got to have patience, though. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the most of patience, but it works. I mean, I've proven it that if you just sit back and give it enough time, the deer you're hunting will eventually come to you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you might sit out there for two or three months, but <laughs> but you'll get them. Yeah. If you persisted, <coughs> that's I, funny. I remember old watching a, a a hunt with Lee Lukoski on it once. I mean, that dude. I think he sat out there for like forty five or sixty days straight or something before he got his deer. I'm like, man, dude, that's a long time. That is a really long. time. And that guy's a really good hunter too. Yeah, and he's in like a best area you can be in. And but see, he had that patience. It paid off. Uh huh. You got to have yeah. patience. Patience, hunt the edges. Yeah, have food plot, have a box blind, and that's the yeah. If you if you really want to be productive, I mean that that's what works for me. Yeah, it's not the funnest hunting out of a blind. I mean, you should just hunt out of tree stand this year. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) just for old time's sake. Mm -mm, I like to. I'm too competitive now. I like to. I like to hunt. You don't like the deer winning. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want the deer to win. I like to be the winner. And I'm older now. I, I, it'd be a blast from the past. It'd be fun. It would, I guess. You going to come video me? Yeah, absolutely. Would you? Yeah. I might do it then. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be fun. It'd be, fun. It'd be like a, like the cat, cat in water now because it's you, you haven't Man, done it for so long. I don't even know where I'd put one up at. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I could probably find a place though, where we could maybe do one. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be fun. I doubt we shoot the biggest buck, though. But what if we did? Oh, that'd be cool. I'd have to eat my words. You got to put it in a good spot now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We better, we better start out with a doe. <laughs> there you go. What uh, What have you been learning with your new drone here? 
pretty cool. Oh, I learned. Oh, what do I learn from yeah. it? Oh, you're how, showing me this some this different. Uh, oh, that thing is so cool because it's got that thermal on it, man. And I mean, you can find. What's cool is you can just go up in the air 250, 300 feet and just take off flying and turn that thermal on and just fly. I mean, them little deer will show up on there real red. And mm -hmm. so then you, then I just stop and put it back to the colored and zoom in on them. And then you can tell, you know, if it's a great big buck or a yeah. doe or, you know, that thing is just uh, awesome. What made you, you, that's just a really cool thing. And that's something that's got a lot more popularity of there's the deer tracking, but then there's also people that do uh, like studies to see what kind of deer are on your farm. Yeah. The deer analysis. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm going to start doing now. I originally got it, uh, to, cause I, I, you know, I'm off all winter. So I was, I'd watch the YouTube. I'd watch mm -hmm. that dude in Ohio with the deer drone recovery. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Cause you know, I, I love big bucks and it's like, that'd be so cool to get this thing and go help people yeah. find their, their deer that they can't find. And so I got one and I put it on the, I remember I advertised it on social media and somebody fired on there. Oh, that's illegal in the state of Iowa. And I'm thinking, no, it ain't dude. And so I call up my local DNR officer and he said, yes, you cannot. It is illegal to go track a wounded deer with it. And I'm like, oh man, dude. Well, you can still do the deer analysis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I plan on doing yeah. now. That, and, and I like going and looking, uh, for people like, you know, like say if you got a farm here, mm -hmm. you know, you want me to come during the summer and find you some big velvet bucks, yeah. you know, we can, you know, get awesome footage it's with this. It's really thing. impressive. It was yeah. really cool. Some of the videos you're showing and it seemed like they were pretty unbothered yeah. too. Yeah, I do that and then I'll do the deer analysis, you know, yeah. once the leaves fall off, it's a lot better like yeah. come and, and do that. You know, it's, it's just cool. Yeah, it's kind of uh <clears throat> It's kind of a novelty thing, but it'd still be cool to fly over your farm and to see where the bucks are bedded, see where the does are bedded, see it where is. like the satellite bucks are yes. bedded, where the lone buck is. And it like, is. I feel like you could learn a lot. You can learn a lot, and you can like test your hunting skills because you're like, you know, you I might think it's here. You can play like yes. a game with yourself. Yeah, you can play the game yeah. with yourself. Okay, let's just see how good I really am and how good I really know my farm, and then you can fly it over and go, wow. The deer's way over somewhere else. And here I thought it was over somewhere else. You know, yeah. yeah. It, it's an eat. Yeah, it's like a game you can play yeah. with yourself. Test your theories and, yeah. the, and see what's going on. Yeah. Another thing cool is uh, it would be interesting to know when for sure, like when you're finding like, okay, they were definitely on a green food source more tonight versus a grain. And like this, keeping tabs on that, I think would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Because you yeah. could disturb when you're driving around, you can only. A, see so many fields, and exactly. B, cover so much at the yes. prime time. With that thing, yeah. you could cover a lot of ground. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, because like I've told a lot of people, hey, you know, say, you know, you got a thousand acre farm, and I mean, you can only go glass one field in an evening where this yeah. thing here, you can give me a map, and I can go check all of your different food plots and, you know, show you, take video of all of them and show you what deer's going where. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. But it's getting about the... Are you going to show us how that thing works? Why, you want me to? Yeah, I do. I want to see what I, Cameron and I want to see how this thing works, if, if you're up for it. I will. Boy, I wish you'd have told me a little bit earlier, but you know, <laughs> we still can because the sun's up still a little bit. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, but, I mean, I can find anything with it. I can find lost people, like if some if your cows get out yeah. or livestock, dogs, anything that, that the thermal will pick up, any heat, heat, you know. Uh-huh. 
Well, if uh, someone wants to get a hold of you for that, what's the best way to do it? Find mm-hmm. you on Facebook or? Yeah, you can either do that or just give me a call. You want to share your number here? Sure. Okay, go ahead. It's uh, 641-223-3525. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time here out of your Sunday to show us around, show us your, your whitetail crib. It was really cool. Uh, it's really awesome. Just want to say thank you, and we we really appreciate it. Uh, you're we had more, a fun you're time. more than welcome, buddy. I'm glad you came. Yeah, I had a fun time too. Yeah, Impressive. I like trying to. I like. I like at my age now. I would rather help somebody, you know, help them get a deer versus me shooting one anymore. I, yeah, unless it's the 194, I guess. Well, yeah, that was supposed. To, that one there was supposed to be for my wife. There, I begged her that night, but she got really sick, and uh-huh. I kept telling her, I'm like, well. If you don't go down there, I said, the deer will probably come out tonight. Yeah. And sure, sure enough, he come out. He, only, he was like 50 yards from the blind, too, oh, man. man. That's a heavy deer. They were like, oh, there was a bunch of them. They were all downwind. I had all the windows shut. And it's easier to hunt out of a blind with a gun. Sure. Because, you know, you can get the gun all set up. And then when you open the window, you only got a certain amount of time. Would then- you say like... Who does five seconds? No, you got usually more than that. Usually maybe about 10 seconds. Okay. Generally, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I've shot them with a bow, but you got to be you gotta be ready. And then it works better if you got another person in there that can, because a redneck's got a string on it. Yeah. And you can be ready, and then they can just pull the string and pop the window up, and you can come back full draw. Yeah. But I have had to do it myself. But yeah, yeah I usually get 10 seconds at okay. least. That's a good. That's a good tidbit of information. Well, Roger, thank you so much, okay. and uh, All right. I'm dying to see this drone. Okay. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate a written review. And if you want to sign up for the Bow Hunting Ohio Whitetails giveaway and Exodus giveaway, head to the link in the description and take your opportunity to win an incredible prize package worth $4,200. You're crazy not to. It's free to sign up. We're going to send out an email and text to everyone that signs up to announce the winner and let you know. And then I'm just going to tell you about a tool I use all of the time. Anytime I find a parcel that I'm interested in and I want to learn more about it, whether it's for myself or for a client or someone, hey, what do you think of this place? I'm running it through Acres. It is a great, great tool. They have a free version, they have a premium version. I use the premium version almost every single day to pull soils, to pull historical imagery, to look at wetlands. So many great insights that you can get in a short amount of time on Acres. So be sure to go check it out and have a great rest of your week. Your season is so, so close. Shoot your bow, get your cameras ready. Until next time, see you guys.